I wanted to share one of our recent presentations from Kale Van Zoen. He works at Energy 350, and he runs their strategic energy management program, where they go in and help businesses try to improve uh, their energy performance by giving them expertise and guidance on the best way to do that. So Energy 350 is a uh, organization that tries to mine energy efficiency as a resource to displace power plants, save businesses money, and protect the environment. So Kiel talks about the ways in which he sees a, a common overlap between the SEM program that he's running and Lean. And so I think it's a really interesting topic and I hope you enjoy. So we'll also have the video available in the speaker notes that you can listen to. And we'll try to get a transcript of that pretty soon as well. So um, let us know what kind of feedback you have. And if you have other topics you'd like to hear about, let us know. You can go to leanportland.com and fill out a contact form. We also have local happy hours the first Tuesday of every month. So if you're in Portland, Oregon, stop by and we'd like to say hi and meet you. Thanks. So uh, thanks for coming out today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a Lean Portland happy hour. Lean Portland, uh, our tagline, as you can see here, is helping people make work better. Um, we're obviously a lean organization. Uh, we don't make any money whatsoever. Uh, what we do is we do pro bono consulting for nonprofits, and it's based on an organization that Toyota started helping uh, nonprofits as well. And we also put on educational events, so we teach lean workshops. Uh, which is for anybody in the community who's interested. And then we do these happy hour events. And sometimes the happy hours we have a certain topic, like today. And today's is about lean and energy efficiency. So quick agenda, network, and drink some free beer. Put you guys are on that. Uh, listen to me ramble for a while. Ask some questions maybe. And then afterwards we can network a little more and drink some more free beer. Anybody have questions about that? <laughs> So my name is Gilman Zone. I work here as an SEM coach. I'll talk more about what that means in a minute. I work for Energy 350. I'm also a lean operations educator. Uh, I teach uh, um, at PSU and then also through Lean Portland and sometimes through the Center for, um, uh, sorry, I'll tell you my mind that one. Uh, sometimes I also teach through uh, PCC uh, Client Center. And uh, I'm the education and events lead for Lean Portland as well. And Energy 350, uh, this is the wonderful space you're in today. This is Energy 350. We're uh, a consulting firm. And uh, as you can see here, we mine energy efficiency as a resource uh, to displace power plants, save businesses money, and protect the environment. And if you want to know more about Energy 350, you can ask uh, Mike here, or <laughs> myself, or you can go look at our website. Um, so... We're going to talk about lean energy efficiency, and we're going to talk about it really from the perspective of one program, which is the industrial SEM program run by Energy Trust. That's not because it's the only one out there, it's because it's the only one that I have direct experience with. So, uh, but just to understand that there's a lot more programs out there like SEM that are not by run, run by Energy Trust, but run by other people as well. But most of are going to be focused on this one here. And I also want to make clear that I'm not here representing Energy Trust. That's why I'm wearing the hat. Energy <laughs> okay. Uh, but I do work mostly with Energy Trust and for Energy Trust. And I'll say more about that. There are a couple Energy Trust folks in the room, Katie and Abby. Yeah, and if you guys have more questions about Energy yes. Trust, you can talk directly to them. You can talk directly to them. But they love questions. <laughs> but Energy Trust is, is one of our clients. 
So, a little bit of history. Um, what is known now as SEM was initially started by NEO, which is the Northwest Energy Efficiency Alliance. And that was around 2004, 2005, they started tweaking something called, uh, well, at the time it was called Continuous Energy Improvement, CEI. And they developed that between around 2005 to 2012. Energy Trust started their program around 2009, 2010. That's when they developed their core program. And then from there on, uh, they've continued developing it all the way through now, and obviously it's still running to this day, and that's what we're going to be talking about. As you can see here, there's a whole bunch of other ones as well that were started by different uh, either utilities themselves or by other organizations working with utilities as well. So, so it's been around for roughly like you know 10 to 15 years, so it's still fairly new. Um, and to give you like a little bit of a, a flavor of like what I do and how it all works, and that's even here in Oregon, so. If you're, if you, if anybody here is paying their bills for electricity or gas, if you look at your bills, you're going to see a line item that says public purpose charge, and that's something that's mandated by the state of Oregon. Everybody pays that to the utilities. The utilities have to charge that to you, including industrial company, customers. For us, it's like mine is like twelve cents or something. It's like nothing, right? But for industrial customers, because they use so much energy, it's quite a lot higher. That money is all collected and pulled by utilities, and then they have to spend that money on decreasing energy use, so like energy efficiency, right? Because it's much, much cheaper at a one to, what is it ratio? It's like a three to one ratio. Three to one ratio to save energy than it is to build new infrastructure to produce more energy. It doesn't matter if you're building wind farms, if it's renewables, or whether it's a coal power plant, it's still bad, right? You don't want to do it. Yeah. If you can use less, it's better. So that's the whole point in that. So what they do is they, they actually invest a lot of their money into a program that's run by Energy Trust. So Energy Trust is a third party that's working with utilities, and they create a program called SEM, that we're going to talk about today. And then Energy Trust partner with program delivery contractors, or PDCs, which is us, Energy 350, to deliver the SEM program back to the industrial customers. Okay, everybody got that? <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. But it's a full circle thing. It's kind of cool. So one of the big selling points to the industrial customers is like, you're paying for this anyway. You might as well use it. It's still very hard to sell. Imagine that. So, but just like Lean, SEM is not a top priority for our big industrial clients. Yeah, the number one priority, hopefully, is safety. The number two priority is probably going to be something like production output, right? Getting product to the customer. After that, quality, because that's pretty important, and customer servicing, and then somewhere down here is SEM and Lean. But the interesting thing about both of these is that they do have a positive effect on gross margin. So they actually get into production output and also customer service, because everybody likes it cheaper. So that's an interesting overlap right there, right off the bat. But it is also true that they're not a top priority. And when I was a Lean consultant in my past life, and now being an SEM coach, I know from you know having just getting started with trying to get people to sign on for SEM, and even the people that are signing on to SEM, it's not as easy to sell as you think. So that means that we have to incentivize it somehow. And that's done for the public purpose charge. So there's an incentive that we pay, and that's paid basically through like myself as a coach, my services working with the industrial clients is completely free to the industrial clients. Well, I mean they pay the public purpose charge, so but you know, they pay that regardless. But when we come in and run SEM with them, it's totally free. Plus, I'm not an engineer, but everybody else almost in this company here is an engineer. So we have engineering and technical expertise that we bring to the table that is also completely free. 
And at Energy Trust has developed workshops that I and others teach to them, and that is also all completely free. And on top of that, for every kilowatt hour they save, they get a kickback. So it's actually quite a bit that they get. And even with that, it's still a hard sell. Why? Because it's not their primary focus. And it's, that's actually the exact same as lean. And I'll get into a, bit, a little bit more about why it is as well. So let's look a little bit about like SEM saving data. Like what does this really do? You know, we're putting all this money into this program. What does it actually produce? Well, 10 sites that we worked with that participated in a treasure hunt event in January 2019. A treasure hunt is kind of like a Kaizen event where we go around the plant and look for energy savings opportunities. And it's an employee engagement event. People love it. It's always a good time. And we work with these 10 sites. And these 10 industrial sites have a goal that they've set for the year to save roughly 5% on their energy use. And if you add up the total savings that they should produce, and most of them are on track, or, also, or some of them have already met their goals, but most of them are on track for their goals or already met their goals. If they do that, they're going to save 4 million kilowatt hours of energy this year, which is the same as powering 500 homes or 1,250 people at roughly 2.5 people per home in Oregon. And that's the equivalent of the city of Cascade Locks. That's just 10 sites that we work with at this company. And if they don't backslide on those savings, they don't fall back into old ways or people don't update things, then obviously those can fall away. But if they keep them going, and that's a really important factor we'll get into later, how do you keep it going? Uh, if they keep it going, that means that Cascade Laws basically gets free energy without building any more infrastructure forever. It doesn't quite work that way. There's always backsliding. Um, 2017, so in 2017, the Energy Trust of Oregon Industrial SEM program itself, the whole thing for that year, was able to save 16 million kilowatt hours. So that's 2,000 homes, 5,000 people, which is about Tillamook. So again, adds up, right? Actually, one thing I should say here as well that's really important. SEM is not focused on, Let's buy uh, a new piece of equipment because it's more energy efficient. That does not count as SEM. That is completely separate from SEM. These are all small operational maintenance improvements. Kind of like what Lean focuses on. Lean's not interested in you buying new equipment. If anything, Lean like, goes against that idea. Lean's really focused on like, building a culture of continuous improvement, tweaking little things to make things better. And SEM is the same way that way. So these are all like, small things they're doing. Like, Hey, this machine runs all during lunch hour, but we don't actually use it. Let's turn it off. Oh, these conveyors run for all of lunchtime. Let's turn them off. Doesn't sound like much, but it adds up. So over the last 10 years that Energy Trust has been running the industrial SEM program, and also to be clear there, there's a whole other SEM program, which is commercial SEM. I don't know the numbers about that because that's not something I'm a part of, but um, you know, there's a lot more to it than just industrial. Uh, but for industrial SEM, over the last 10 years, say 220 million kilowatt hours, which is 27,000 homes or 67,000 people's worth, which is about the size of Corvallis and Newport combined. Right? That's a lot of energy. So we'll take it to the next level. The Consortium for Energy Efficiency uh, in 2014 put out a paper where they looked at like SEM, where it was going, where it was at, etc., 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 and uh, they looked at all of the manufacturing sector in USA and Canada and said, okay, how much does manufacturing in the USA and Canada use in energy? And what are the savings from these programs or these SEM programs sharing so far? At that point, it was around 5.4% savings, which is not far off where we are now still. And this is first year participants. 
in SEM. And that's also another point. Often they're able to continue reducing year after year after year after year. We have certain ones going into, I know we have one site I work with going into third year. I don't know what the, the longest ones are, but. Finishing third year, yeah. Yeah, finishing third year. Yeah, new frontier. Yeah. Fourth year four. Fourth year will be. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, so like, you know, it's like 5% the first year, and then a few more percent the next year, and so on, so on. And these build up, you know, these aggregate. But for, if the USA and Canada, if everybody in manufacturing said SEM's a great idea because we care about planet Earth, uh, and they, they say 5.4%, these guys calculated that, that would be 47.8 billion kilowatt hours of energy saved. And this is not buying new equipment, doing anything fancy. This is really about just using what you already have and just using it more efficiently. And that actually equates to about three and a half times of Oregon, <laughs> of all the people in homes in Oregon. That's a lot of energy. Yeah. So, what's the whole point here? Well, small changes add up. They really do. And that's true for both lean as it is for uh, SEM. And uh, to kind of like backtrack a little there, we're going to go back about 60, 70 years to Toyota. Toyota are kind of known as being the father of lean. They were the people that really started it. And um, back in the 40s or 50s, when they were coming out of World War II, Toyota was not doing so well because, you know, their country had been blown to pieces for starters, and they had very little money. Whereas America, on the other hand, was doing very well, and manufacturing here was just at, in, in its heyday. So America was just pumping out cars. In fact, if you look behind you here, it kind of gives you a little bit of a picture of pre-World War II, and then like where we went from there. It's kind of a cool picture. Um, but they really went to town here, and, and at Toyota, they didn't have the same resources to be able to do. You couldn't build a factory for every car that you produced. So they had to get really fast about changeovers. So here you see a die press. So this is for pressing out parts of cars, right? And in the 1950s, it used to take you know, three hours to change out the dies on the presses and do a changeover for a new model. And they were like, we can't do this. We can't just keep on like having to build the same model for days and days. There's too much inventory, we can't afford it. We need to like switch them out several times a day. And people are like, you're crazy, we can't do that. And it's like, yes we can. We can work together, we can make this work. And it took them a good 10 years, but they got it down to 15 minutes. And then they keep tweaking it, and then they were down to three minutes. And this is like small changes adding up. And they probably did some big ones in there as well, but most of it was just little things. Just little things about how they did things and how they worked. So what is Lean? Well, it's a whole systems or also like a holistic approach to continuous incremental improvements. And incremental is a really important word. It's about baby steps. If you think of the opposite of incremental, it's often what government tries to do. Like, <laughs> Obamacare is the opposite of incremental. It's a huge leap in a good direction, but like it's too far in one go. And then what happens? Well, it doesn't work very well, and the system gets broken, because like, they took too big of a step in one go. I know that like that's what you have to do in government to get voted in, but the point is, it's not so great. But the incremental ones tend to work much better over time. You get better ROI on them as well. So another way of thinking holistic systems, or whole, whole systems, is to think of in paradigms of science. So a scientific paradigm number one would be analysis. That's really like what we think of. Mostly like this is what we understand. When we're raised like, and go through school, we are taught analysis. Physics, engineering, it's all like analysis, right? Whereas like something like ecology gets more into synthesis. 
since this is high interconnectivity, high interdependency, whereas analysis is low interconnectivity and low interdependency, what's this going to do with SEM and lean? Well, the point is that you have to look at things from a holistic perspective in order to understand it properly. And you also have to look at things from a holistic perspective to understand that just because you put a bunch of effort into one thing and it didn't quite work out, you don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. You keep going. Because over time, you'll find some that will work out. In some ways, like, investors understand this really well. They'll invest in 10 companies knowing that nine of them are going to completely tank and one's going to be huge. So they have a bigger picture view. It's the same idea, but I wouldn't say that necessarily our economic systems are realistic if they're not. Um, so it's really about thinking outside the box. You've got to think outside the box. That's whole systems thinking. And the hardest thing about talking about whole systems thinking to people is that everybody wants to put their thoughts and their ideas into a box and that's not what this is about, it's about thinking inside the box. So the consortium for energy efficiency, we talked about this a little earlier. Um, in 2014 they put out a paper where they talked about what are the minimum elements required for something to be considered an SEM program. And that is something that uh, energy trusts follow when they're developing their SEM program. <clears throat> and one of the things in the definition they talk about is that it can be simply defined as taking a holistic approach to managing energy and continuously improve energy performance. So there you go, there's some overlap there already. And that's actually like one of the biggest things about SCM and Lean as far as I understand it, and as far as like my background in Lean and now sometime. And I've been doing SEM since September, so I'm still very new to this. I have no way in any way like amazing ideas, but I'm working towards it. Um, but the interesting thing is that if we go a little further, it also says that it's about affecting organizational culture. So let's talk about that a little bit. We talk about lean off having two sides. One's about process engineering, and that's easy-ish. You're going to go to school for a couple of years and get a degree, no offense. <laughs> and become an engineer. But it took me longer than most. <laughs> and the other side of it is this, which is people want collaborative culture. This is super hard because this is about getting people to change how they behave. And like, who here is really bad at behaving their own, changing their own behavior? <laughs> so you try and change other people's behavior is even harder. You actually can't change other people's behavior. You can only like incentivize them. So. But the point here is that if you only do the guys, we've got this cool thing called Lean, here's the engineering, we do just in time, we do single piece flow, those are all engineering like process things in Lean. And let's get a group of 10 people together, we'll teach them that and like, okay, go. And then they do it, and you come back a month later and they've reduced like the number of people they need now, but to nine. They're like, great, fire one guy. Okay, nine guys, let's do it again. <laughs> Doesn't work, right? It's a one-time deal. So you don't have a very good ROI. You might get a decent ROI in that one project, but no one's gonna do it again. You're killing the culture. And that's not what Lean's about. Lean's about, like, how do you do this by not doing that? How do you, like, have this people in collaborative culture? And when you do that, it has a very, very high ROI. And I've been seeing the same for what I've read so far, some of the studies I've read about SEM, and what I'm experiencing myself and my sites. The ones that have a good culture, well, actually, there's two ways of getting good savings in, in SEM. Either someone who's really engaged, an individual just who's a superhero and takes on everything themselves, or an engaged culture. Now, which one's going to last longer? Culture. Right, because like, if the super engaged individual leaves, then your SEM program leaves with that person. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have the culture if you want to make it a long-term thing. So that gets a little further into this definition. 
SEM emphasizes equipping and enabling plant managers and staff to impact energy consumption through behavioral and operational change. So if we say, well, there's two sides to SEM. There's engineering operations, which is operational change, and there's people in collective culture, which is behavioral change. So they're, they're the same thing. It's the same. You're just looking at, uh, you know, lean is about like the whole big picture, the entire organization, everything you're doing, whereas SEM is just focused on one thing, which is energy savings. But you can't just look at energy savings without thinking about the whole thing. And that's the point here. That's the whole system scene. You can't just say, we're going to put SEM into a box and we're just thinking about energy and everything else doesn't matter. It's like, well, no, because everything affects each other. That's the whole idea behind whole systems and synthesis. So, again, this one's easy-ish. This one's super hard, but you've got to do both if you want to get the ROI. Let's talk a little bit more about the holistic approach. Whole systems holistic approach. And whole systems really is focused on the relations between the elements. It's not about like analyzing just one part. It's about focusing on the relationships between everything while you're analyzing that one part. It's about I think of it as like when I'm like zoomed in on this really you know myopic thing that I'm trying to figure out. I'm also constantly aware of everything else that might affect. That's a really hard way to think, but that's what you have to do. You have to constantly like zoom in and out. And once you do that, you know you start thinking about the way those elements are put together and arranged into the functioning entirety. So let's think of like the biggest element we can think of that really affects us, planet Earth, right? That's pretty much it. So that's kind of a closed system for all intents and purposes for us. Unless you're Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> within planet Earth, you have two subsystems. You have natural systems. Planet Earth is the parents. You have two children. Natural systems and socio-technical systems. Those are good device to make. Socio-technical systems is everything that we do as humans, pretty much. Everything we do is almost pretty much a social technical system. It's everything that we conceive. Our economy is a social technical system. The boundaries that we have in our countries is our social technical system. They don't actually exist. They're not a natural phenomenon. We created them and made them up. An organization is a social technical system. And think of an organization just as two or more people collaborating to do something together. Right now, we're an organization for just 30 minutes. Right? We all agree to sit in this room and listen to the music you have about SEM. <laughs> my wife and I are an organization at home. And we have geographic boundaries. That's my side of it, that's her side of it. <laughs> Sometimes we fight about that. <laughs> you have large organizations, small organizations, nonprofit organizations, government organizations, neighborhood organizations, etc. Et you get the idea. There is an organization, right? And every organization has material flow. This is where energy comes in. Energy is a form of material flow. It literally is. It's electrons moving through the wire, right? It's a form of material flow. Now, where does all material flow start? What is the root of all material flow? Where does it all come from? Naturals. Naturals. Yeah, planet Earth, right? Everything comes from planet Earth. If you trace this one back all the way to its root, upstream as we call it in lean, it always gets back to planet Earth, gets back to our natural systems, as does energy. Information flow. Law of information flow in organizations. What's the single most valuable thing we all share as people? It's the most important thing to you. What do you give up here tonight to come? Time. Yeah, right? Time. You're born, you have roughly zero to 120 years, and then you're gone. Pretty important. I think it's important. <laughs> this guy here thought it was important too. 
Taichiano, he's known as the father of Lee, industrial engineer Toyota, he said employees give their valuable energy and time to the company. And if they're not given the opportunity to save the company money by working effectively, there can be no joy. And for the company to deny that opportunity, in his mind, was against the principle of respect for humanity. And in fact, he believed this so much that for a long time at Toyota, Lean was actually called the Respect for Humanity system. And then, and by the way, the reason they didn't fire people is because they couldn't. <laughs> and that's true. But, you know, they couldn't and they didn't because they believed it was wrong because as a culture, Japan thought that wasn't a good idea. So they voted for laws to come into place that basically gave people lifetime employment. So for them, it wasn't an option. And that's the thing that was kind of lost in translation when Lean came here. Like, why Lean has a bad name in the U.S. often is because they didn't realize that, like, you can't take it from that culture with that law and put it in this culture where we've got will employment and they work yeah. the same way. Uh, anyway, a whole bunch of other names and then, like, there's Lean, right? So, people's time and energy, pretty damn important. And then the last one was Cash. And these are like the four, four flows, I think, of going through an organization. They come in, they go through, there's throughput, you do something with it, and then there's an output, and sometimes there's waste, and sometimes there's actual value being created. But the point is that you're trying to control these flows. And by trying to control these flows, you also get into the material flow, which gets into the energy. So SEM is a social technical system that encourages us to collaborate in order to control and regulate those four flows to reduce energy waste. Lean is a social technical system that encourages us to collaborate and control and regulate the four flows in order to like decrease our overall um, basically material and information flow and increase the amount of time and cash we have available. That's Lean's focus. SEM's focus is just the same, but just one subset which is really focused on like that one part of material flow of energy. And by the way, I don't talk about it, but gas is also part of SEM as well. It's just a smaller part of SEM. So we do this by developing a culture that thinks outside the box. The way that you're able to get the social technical system is that culture. Is that culture is thinking outside of the box. And it's everything that goes into that. It's in SEM, it's the uh, it's me going out and working with them. I'm part of that culture through the engagement of SEM for like a whole year or multiple years if they go into the continuous. Um, when it comes to the workshops, that's also part of that social technical system, something that we created and built and that's part of that. And the thing about culture is you can't copy it. Often we think it's easy to copy things, but you can't copy culture. It has to be developed slowly over time because you have to get people to change the way they think and work together and relate to each other. And this is a great, great This American Life episode. And it's all about Toyota and GM working together in Fremont, California. And they, they turned what was GM's worst factory that they closed down because it was the worst, hired back all the same people and turned it into their best factory in two years by applying lean. Mm -hmm. And it was Toyota's proof to say that like it's not about the people, it's about the culture you create around those people. It's about a social technical system. And the interesting thing is that GM tried to copy that same factory by taking pictures of all the machinery and then replicating the setups in their new fa other factories and it didn't work. Why? Because it, you can't take pictures of culture. The reason that the savings we get in SEM are a byproduct of the people doing the work and the people doing the work represent the culture. You can't have one without the other. And it's the same in Lean. You can't 
someone might come up with an incredibly amazing, efficient way of doing something. You could take a picture of how they do it, but probably a month and a half later, because it continues to prove and they've already changed that. So they're always going to be one step ahead of you. You know that, what they say, like if, you're, if someone's copying you, that means you're probably doing the right thing. You know, you got to worry when someone is not copying you. If someone's copying you, you're okay. That means that you're one step ahead. And that's what Toyota always is, one step ahead. They're not copying, they're just constantly trying to improve. They may take ideas from other people, of course. So, another way to think about culture is through this model that's fairly well known uh, in the world of organizational psychology. And it's a guy called Edgar Schein, who's an organizational psychologist. And he put this thing together called the Onion Model. And this one's a little, being a little bit developed here by Matt at the back here. Thank you, Matt. Um, and, but basically, the, idea, the, the underlying thing of it is that you have three cores to call. You have a core to the culture, a middle layer, and an outer layer. The core to the culture is the basic underlying assumption about the organization. It's like what we think about the organization or about our team or whatever. And then there's the things we say, which are, which are our spouse values, as Ekashine called them. And then there's the things we do, which are the artifacts of symbols. There are things that we create and what we do, the actions that we take. And what we've done is kind of like tag those onto like things within Lean and how you get into building this continuous improvement CI culture. So one of the things is like, you know, how we think. Well, those are our beliefs. Like, do we have respect for each other, respect for humanity, right? Do we believe that continuous improvement is an important and good thing to do? And is there some kind of scientific rigor around what we do? Do we believe in that? So if you apply this to SEM, it's about, well, do we respect each other? That's important regardless. Do we believe in continuous improvement? Well, that's, that's what SEM is all about as well. And then do we believe in scientific method? Are we actually going to like look at the data? And that's a huge part of SEM is that we build a regression model for them, with them, and let them run that model so that they can prove to themselves if they're actually saving energy. And we work with them, and we provide technical and uh, engineering expertise to make sure that we do that with them. And then the systems, which is like what we say, you know, how we talk about things and how we communicate things, that really gets in what we call SEM practices. And that's like, are we aligned? Like, have we set some kind of goal, and have we communicated that with the rest of the organization? Are we managing our processes in a way that makes sense? Like, for instance, when we buy a new piece of equipment, is there like some kind of um, reminder on whatever SOP, standard operating procedure, or checklist that we have for buying new equipment that says, have you checked that this is energy efficient? Because, you know, sometimes it doesn't cost much more. Sometimes they're actually incentivized and they cost less. Um, but it's also about the process management of building your products. Something that often people don't realize is, like, if you make a product with less waste, if you, like, if you're a food manufacturer and 10% of whatever goes in ends up on the floor before it goes out the door as a product, you're wasting like 10% of your energy, give or take, on that product that's on the floor, especially if it's at the end of the line. If you can reduce that, you're reducing the amount of energy you're using for each like product you put out the door. So that really gets into like the process management as well, and the systems. And discovery management is really about like, you know, do you have a good way of people to, the, uh, to, to find opportunities? So in SEM, we have something uh, that we do is we like have these tags that we introduce to people that are leak tags. Because air leaks are a huge, huge, huge waste of energy in a lot of industrial plants. So special tags, I wish I had one in my hand right now, uh, that people can like put up around the plants, and that's like for like encouraging them to like discover these opportunities. And we also have what we call the seven quick wins, and we put posters up and there's tags for that too. And then it gets into the action, actions, and that's the process improvement part. That's actually fixing things. 
and it's actually putting up thing, visual controls about reminders. We have stickers we provide that like they can put on a piece of equipment saying, this piece of equipment is going to save this much per year in energy by keeping this set point. Because people love to tweak their equipment based on what they think. Again, coming back to air, you know, like, well, we need 110 PSI. It's like, need or want, you know? There's like one piece of equipment that has 110 PSI right at the end of the line, and the rest of it could operate at 95. And he can tell you how much that will save you. What is that? Seven and a half percent. Yeah, I make up a number. <laughs> and then this production system design. Have you designed your production system for the least amount of conveyance? Conveyance is a massive energy hog. Massive energy hog. Conveyors, especially if you think of like things like sawmills, where you're conveying logs, you need a lot of energy to do that. And if you're conveying a lot further than you need to all the time, every day, that adds up. So you can see here, like, but it's often we start here, like, okay, let's do this. Before we've even talked about like the systems and the goal alignment and the, the what we call the SEM practices. Or really had a heart to heart about do we really want to do this? Like, does, do we really care about this? And in SEM, the way that we get people to care is to like, oh, well, actually, it's the same in Lean SEM. The way to get people to care is to tie into something they're already doing. So, a good one for instance is safety. Safety is number one. So, it's an easy tie in. Woo, hello. Okay. So, like, safety is number one. So, it's an easy tie in. They already have systems to communicate visually safety. They already have systems around goal alignment, around safety, all the way up to like you know the top level of management down to the shop floor. And there's a respect for safety and each other. And there's method around how they look at safety and think about safety. And they're constantly improving their safety. So they already have systems in place. So find something like that, and then you can plug SEM into it or Lean. Okay, so. I want to end on this slide before questions. This uh, just came out a few weeks ago, uh, City of Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, this is one of the sites that we work with. And James Green here, this guy here, he's their energy champion on their energy team. And he said, the goal of the program was to change the culture and optimize the systems and equipment that we already have. So it's about those like, small improvements and something, working with what you already have. We're looking at things through a new filter, holistic, and breaking the old ways of thinking. This is awesome to see this. And this is, these guys are doing amazing work here. And it's really about like, I will say a little bit, I will say just to be fair that a lot of it rides on him. <laughs> but however, when we did our treasure hunt, that was one of the best attended treasure hunts I think we've ever done. And they were really, really engaged. And it's cool to see kind of salt of the earth dudes, and it is all dudes. <laughs> engaging in a way that's fun and they actually care and they care about like saving energy because it makes sense to them so okay that was it thank you that was great any questions at all or observations comments I was expecting this to be a little more disjointed. <laughs> Thanks a lot, dude. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, just a question that came up at the end by the treasure hunts. When you do these, is it optional or do you leave it up to the organization to decide who's going to show up or if they're going to require employees or like what are your expectations when you come in? Yeah, so they have a, what we call an energy team, which is three people. 
uh, and for them it's technically not optional. Um, for those three. For those three, and then they will like bring in other people onto the energy team, and ideally, um, when you're trying to do a treasure hunt, like when you're trying to do a Kaizen event in Lean, you want to bring what we call the whole system into the room. You want like good representation from around the plant for different people. And then we break up into teams and have good representation on the teams. Uh, and we'll bring people from here. We'll have usually at least one technical lead on the team. So that's an engineer or somebody else, a technical lead. Now, actually, something we just did, uh, this is going to be news to you, people at Energy Trust as well, actually. Uh, at spoiler. The last, spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah, at the last uh, treasure hunt, I led a team and we looked at their operational systems. And we got, well, we first we walked around the plant and I talked to people. And it was really interesting because the interns actually gave me the most amount of information. <laughs> and we mapped out their operational systems. Uh, and I'm actually going to do like a flowchart of it and like to show exactly where SEM would fit in. And it was, it was their safety systems primarily, but also they have some systems for like uh, reporting downtime or reporting issues on the, on the line. So we mapped it all out and then we kind of figured out where that would fit in. So kind of getting more into like the... Uh, the process flow of information around like how SEM can already go into existing process flow. Can you explain the treasure hunt, mm -hmm. what that process looks like? Yeah, uh, it's usually around a six-ish hour event. Uh, we get together, there's anywhere from, uh, it's usually around a dozen people. So like three teams or so that we'll break up into. And at the beginning we talk about some of the opportunities you might find. We have the seven quick wins poster I talked about earlier. So we'll talk about the seven quick wins and what they might look for. We'll talk about where the biggest loads are. So we've already done like what we call an energy map. And then we look at like energy map is, and it's not like a value stream map, but it's, it's loosely associated, I guess, with the value stream map where you're looking at like how energy flows for your organization and where like the big hogs are. Mm -hmm. And you try and focus your, focus your attention on those systems if possible. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll have the different people walk the site. Like, the teams will break up and they'll, they'll say, well, we'll start this and then we'll that way and we'll start that and then we'll that way. And then they may meet in the middle, they may not, depending on how much they find. Uh, and then we come back and then we do a, a value a graph. A value graph is like the four quadrants where you put things based on, like, this is how much energy is going to save and this is um, how hard it's going to be to do. Impact. Yeah, in fact. Pain in the ass factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that's actually, a, we, we normally come up with anywhere, like from, if it's a first year site, it's anywhere from 50 to like 125, I think we've had opportunities. And these don't include like things like, you know, there's a leak here, there's a light bulb that needs replacing there. This is like, you know, those all fall under one opportunity, uh, all the light bulbs and all the leaks. So these are actual opportunities. And then by the time we value graph them, what we do then is we add up all of the, we do back of the napkin calculations with them for like the total energy save per opportunity that we find in the, and what we have in like the, you know, the bottom uh, uh, right hand section of the value graph. Biggest bang for the buck. Biggest bang for the buck. And usually anywhere between like five and, and 15, we'll give them actually less than that. Anywhere between but five and 10, usually five and 10, we'll, 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 we'll get them to their goal for the year. If we're lucky. Yeah. So that's just a matter of execution, right? I mean, the treasure hunt is like the funnest part, and it's it's in some sense the easy part because executing, making sure those changes persist, um, that that's really the challenge that we, we tackle over the next, you know, six yeah. months. Persistence is a huge one. Uh, that's I've been putting a lot of focus on that one. It's kind of like you guys are familiar with five S. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fifth S is always the hardest one. Sustain. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So is that how long you typically stay with the company? You normally do the treasure hunt first and then stay with them for about six months? No, it's 12 months. 12 Actually, months. it's 13 months. The engagement. <laughs> yeah, the treasure hunt just kind of lands in like month five, typically, of the engagement. Yeah. There's a, a very defined progression schedule of kind of workshops and introduce, introducing them to energy management, building the tools by which we can measure um, and, and report savings. And there's just, it's a really full curriculum. So by the time we get around to the treasure, it's usually month, month five, and then they start to implement projects. Uh, then we actually measure savings over um, a, a portion of the year once they've had a few projects under their belt, and then we kind of extrapolate that out to res- represent a year. So it's they kind of go through this pr- progression, but as Kel alluded to, you know, it, it's a lot to ask of an industrial site to do in one year, mm-hmm. which is why Energy Trust um, created continuous SEM for folks that still had the the willingness and the opportunities and one of that ongoing support. Because this, you know, continuous improvement never ends, right? Land Do Check Act repeats itself. Yeah. Um, so we're actually seeing, you know, as a program, really good success out of continuous and there's a good, healthy appetite for it in the market. So And so worth mentioning as well that the first year is a cohort. So uh, like uh, one of our cohorts will have like 10 companies in a cohort and they come together uh, to do the workshops. And they also are invited to each other's treasure hunts. We've had like uh, people come from different sites who are like similar, mm-hmm. like to uh, organizations that have a lot of refrigeration systems will come to each other's treasure hunts and help each other out. So, or wastewater plants too is a great example. Yeah, wastewater plants because they don't have you know proprietary intellectual property to, yeah, to yeah. be afraid of sharing. And so there's a really great collaborative culture gain to be had there. And yeah, you know they really respect the opinion of their peers in the industry. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a great opportunity. I find as well that like sometimes they, I think some some of the, when we go in and we're excited about the program, we're excited about helping them, we're excited about building the team. Like it builds excitement with them, and when you build excitement with them, then all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more important. Yeah. You know, and if you're nice to them and you're kind, and you follow up with them and do like what you said you were going to do, mm-hmm. they'll actually respect you a lot more than us. So you start going up the list for like you know <laughs> how important you are to them when it comes to all the other stuff. I mean, if if. If the line goes down, the line's down, and I'm still not going to get on my call with my side. But uh, that happens a lot, you know, because like, often we work with the uh, the maintenance crews because that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So that's often often a challenge. But the way I see it is like you go like you got to throw everything out to make it as easy as possible for them to do this, while also teaching them how to do it, which is exactly what you do as as a, as a lean coach as well. Yeah. yeah. Is it hard then to not fall into that lean coach role? and like expand what you want to share with them or what their opportunities are? At first, I thought it might be, but it really isn't because like I don't work with the right people to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it actually, a lot of them have some kind of rudimentary, uh, some somewhat advanced lean programs or potential program programs in place. So we just plug into that. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and I just kind of like, and, and when they do, I'll, I'll figure out what language they're using, whether it's 5S or 6S or continuous yeah. improvement or Kaizen or whatever, and then I can kind of speak towards that as well. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm really focused on, uh, yeah, that, it's a good question, because at first I thought that like that might be really hard for me to like not fall into that role, mm-hmm. but it, I didn't really have time, to be honest, you know, like I, I have so little time on my sides that when I'm there, we're focused on something we need to do, and there's no time for that, and, you know, with just in time and single piece flow, like, yeah. I, I, I mean, what I did, um, 
recently on the treasure hunt where we mapped out the process, that felt a lot more like kind of going back to my older role, mm -hmm. but it's going to be very useful for them. And they're more advanced to be able to do that. Yeah. Like not every site is like that. They're a third, uh, no, sorry, they're a second year continuous site. It's, it's not that though, it's but more that they're an advanced site. They're very advanced. Their, their operations yeah. are really advanced. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it, that, that's also something that's been very surprising to me is like the advancement of their, when I say operations, I mean like the social technical systems that, that drive the organization, both their equipment as well as their just like 5S and just like SOPs and how they like update things and what the feedback is and cash ball and all that stuff. Like in some sites, they're very small and it's amazing. And other sites that have been around for like 50 years and they are horrible. <laughs> So it's, it's not about the size of the site or how long they've been around. It's just whether they've adopted it or not or like really put time and energy into it. But in that example, that's one thing I'm so excited about as an energy engineer who, you know, kind of fumbles his way through lean principles. Mm -hmm. I have somebody like Kiel on my team who can really um, compliment me in the areas that I'm really weak and I can handle the energy en engineering stuff. So, so far, it seems to be serving the customers well. Yeah. Yeah, and if they, I mean, I get a lot of questions that I can't answer. It's just like, I'll let you know this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are some of the things you've seen organizations do who are successful in keeping up momentum once they kind of pass the quick wins or they're out of plateau or that next phase seems really far off? As far as like finding new opportunities or? Mm -hmm. Or just keeping up keeping internal momentum and motivation for this. You would emphasize incremental improvement today, and that yeah. can be hard to stay motivated by when you're not seeing the results in <coughs> on one of those plateaus. So a couple of answers to that, I guess. One is that we, uh, I mentioned earlier, we build a model for them, a regression model, mm -hmm. where we've looked back at the last two years of electrical data and production data and weather data, and we build a model that should model their energy efficiency or energy use moving forward. And then as it starts predicting their energy use and they start implementing projects, they start seeing a QSIM graph like sum of, of energy savings going down, meaning that they're saving energy. So that, that's part of what keeps them going because it's exciting to see those savings and then we work with them on how to share those savings with the rest of the organization. So people, and then you have, you have to equate it back to something. Um, we did something called a taco truck party where we celebrated savings of last year and we converted the amount of savings they had to the amount of kilojoules and how much tacos that represented, which was like six million tacos. <laughs> and then they had a, literally a taco truck come to the plant and provide free lunch for everybody. And as they came to get their lunch, we like we were there with the flyers, with the six million savings and some energy trust swag to give out to them. And everybody had a good time. And all of a sudden, like they like, oh yeah, see, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so um, it's really about like getting people excited about it as well. Other people excited. Um, and one of the other things you asked about, like, uh, as far as, like, getting new opportunities, so that we have a treasure on every year. Mm. And I was just saying to Katie earlier today, actually, uh, that I'm always surprised at, like, and I think everybody is surprised at these, these treasure hunts in year two and year three and so on, how many more opportunities they find every year. And we actually do a little thing, like, because I started seeing this and it being surprised, I... I came up with this idea where we ask everybody in the room before we do the hunt, like how many savings, how many opportunities do you think we'll find? And we post it on the board with sticky notes, mm -hmm. and then whoever like gets closest like wins an energy trust water bottle. But people are always way underestimating, uh, and it's it's kind of surprising. And I think you know it's just like in lean, like people ask that question as well, like, "Why well, aren't you ever going to run out of continuous improvement?" It's like, 
No. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been content with your life that like you're in the perfect like shape of fitness and everything's perfect and you don't need any help and I don't need to do anything about myself and I'm, everything's great? Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Apart from Mike. Yesterday for three minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, it's it's hard to find that kind of level of content. But, um, but you know, big manufacturing operations stuff is changing all the time, and especially right now. Like they have a massive like turnover for most of them. The economy is good, so like holding on to good people is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the economy is good, but people still don't want to pay anymore. So you know, it's like it's hard. Um, 